Welcome to Mona Moments, a podcast hosted by the Museum of Northwest Art in Laconner, Washington. In this episode of Mona Moments, you will hear a conversation between Maggie Paul, Mona's registrar, artist Rachel Lodge, University of Washington museology graduate Leanna Hamby, and University of Washington professor and scientist Dave Peterson, who all worked collaboratively on the current Outside In Gallery exhibition titled Finding Balance, Carbon Storylines 1.1. This show features the artwork of Rachel Lodge and was curated by Leanna Hamby and Dave Peterson. We hope you enjoy this Mona moment. Thank you for listening. So obviously um, you're the curator for this exhibition and um, I was just wondering what led you to this topic? Sure. Uh, so I would say uh, that um, I was sort of co-curator. Um, I started this project uh, as a part of my master's thesis for the University of Washington. Um, and really the original premise of uh, my project was wanting to do uh, a museum exhibition, an art exhibition, uh, because that's where most of my my background lies, um, but that I wanted to work with a community engagement uh, angle, so finding community members to work with and then working with people from the museum's community to decide on the exhibit content uh, and the artwork uh, in the exhibit. So I didn't really start off um, knowing we exactly what the exhibit uh, would would look like more more so what I wanted the process to look like. Cool. So um, as the process went on and you talked to community members and museum, mem- you know, members of the museum community, um, how did that kind of lead you towards the topic that you landed on? Um, so I was uh, originally working with uh, Lauren Carol Bolger, who mm-hmm. used to work with Mona. Uh, she also went through the UW Museology program, uh, so she was originally how I was connected with Mona. Uh, and early on in the process, we were talking about uh, partly the time frame, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty short, uh, just because of my, my own deadlines for school. Um, and the value of sustained community relationships. So we were looking at different community groups and organizations that had worked with Mona in the past and had expressed interest in working, continuing to work with Mona in the future. So uh, we reached out to a couple different groups. Some of them had conflicts or were already planning on working with Mona at a specific time in the future that didn't line up with our timeline. Um, and uh, SC2, the Skagit Climate Science Consortium, uh, was uh, extremely receptive uh, to the inquiry and um, were really interested in uh, getting involved in this exhibition. Uh, there was a little bit of, so SC2 works on surge, and there mm-hmm. was a little bit of a difference uh, in what... I was sort of envisioning the exhibit as, um, and what their sort of um, what their mission is, and what their scope for their their activity is. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> specifically, because as I was 
um, sort of defining the scope of my project, um, if I was to go down the climate science uh, mm -hmm. route, I wanted it to be different from Surge um, and, and sort of have a unique, um, a unique aspect. Um, so it wasn't just copying an exhibit that right. was done on just a smaller scale with a different <laughs> curator. Um, so I wanted to incorporate um, uh, an action portion. Right. Um, <clears throat> And uh, that is a little bit different than uh, what SC2 uh, did with Surge. So uh, one of their representatives uh, put me in contact with uh, Dave Peterson, mm -hmm. um, who ended up being another curator. And uh, through Dave, I was connected with Rachel. Cool. Yeah. And um, since this is a podcast, I should probably explain to our listeners that Surge is an exhibition that presents si um, client, climate science through art, really. And it's more of a presentation of the research rather than um, a call to action on climate change or as climate change um, as a huge topic, because it can be somewhat divisive because there are people who you know don't believe that climate change is necessarily associated with human activity and um sc2 doesn't want to get into that you know they don't want to take up that battle they just want to bring the science to people and present the science that is there the research that is done and they kind of want to stay away from the political more political aspects of it so um, the exhibition, um, the, the, the exhibition that you've curated with Dave uh, does have a, a more of a call to action associated with it. Um, so just kind of as an aside <laughs> for people who don't know what Surge is. Um, but awesome. Um, let's see. So you got linked up with Rachel through Dave. And um, how did that go? Like, what were your initial thoughts, conversations about where the, the exhibition might go? Um, I mean, I think it went well. Um, I was able to look at a couple different uh, folks' art. Um, and one, one main concern was finding artwork uh, that would fit in the space since it's pretty small, narrow, that kind of narrow, that kind of, um, uh, eliminated, eliminated, um, larger 3d pieces. Mm. Um, and, um, I liked the, uh, when speaking with, uh, Rachel sort of, uh, moving towards, uh, the work, uh, that we had in the show, the prints, and their focus on the carbon cycle and also not wanting to be, not wanting to present actions that uh, people can take up in their daily lives um, to impact climate change, not wanting that to be super political either because they're, they're just daily things that you can do to help yourself, to help your community, to help the environment. Um, I thought that using artwork um, that was specifically about the carbon cycle 
-hmm. and um, sort of almost looking at the practicality of it all um, could be beneficial for that action part of the exhibition as well. Um, also for my, for the sort of thesis of it all, the fact that Rachel and Dave uh, had worked together in the past, um, was, uh, sort of, it reflected very well the intention to continue relationships with the museum, with mm. folks who work with the museum, um, and sort of that sustained relationship building part of it. Cool. <clears throat> Um, let's see, what was the most challenging part of developing the exhibition? Um, I think a lot of, of anything that was sort of challenging to do with the exhibit, uh, a lot of the time came down to time and the timeline just because it was pretty short. Um, what was the most challenging part of developing the exhibition? And you said it comes, came down to timing. I know that the the timing, uh, the timeline was pretty abbreviated for you. Uh, yeah, I would say a lot of it came down to the time frame. Um, label writing um, was something that I had the least of, of all the things that I was doing. I think label writing, I had the least amount of experience in, um, especially being relatively unfamiliar with the uh, scientific nuances of the concept. Um, <clears throat> before starting the project. But uh, Dave and Rachel were both extremely helpful throughout the label writing process. I passed many, many drafts uh, to them as I was sort of working through. Um, and it was just, it was really in invaluable uh, having uh, people there with experience in presenting this kind of information as well as personally having um, a deeper understanding of the content as well. Um, I think specifically um, on one draft, uh, some of Rachel's feedback were uh, some places that you've seen uh, people, uh, common areas of misunderstanding and uh, specific ways of phrasing things that can, that people often get tripped up on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so having experience educating and uh, teaching about these topics, knowing common areas of confusion um, was really, really helpful because, you know, just looking at it at face value, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, this makes sense to me. It's hard right. to in someone else's place and know which parts might confuse someone else mm -hmm. if they haven't, you know, been looking at it for two months. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's pretty easy to write a label that you think makes sense if, like you said, you've been looking at it for two months and you're very familiar with the work and the artist and other, you might gloss over some things that other people might find useful to know. <laughs> and, and throughout the draft process as well, sometimes you read a label, a, a label draft after you've changed something and you remember what was there before. Mm. So maybe reading it you don't realize you've taken out something that that changes the meaning, changes the understanding, because you remember a couple drafts ago, it said exactly. something, you still have that knowledge, but yeah. just on the label, it doesn't include everything. Yeah. Yes, that is, I have been there as well. <laughs>
I'm I, 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 I realize I'm wondering, of course, this whole sh exhibit has happened in such strange circumstances. Um, but I'm wondering sort of how you've, there's probably no way to know. I mean, the thing that you really put a lot of work into was trying to think about how to make this a little bit interactive. Mm -hmm. And I guess as of right now, there's not really any way to know how, how fruitful that's been in terms of people actually participating. But I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that, even, even though probably there hasn't been much feedback, just in terms of how you feel like it turned out. Yeah. Um, so I did, I did um, especially as part of the, the thesis process, one of my priorities was trying to make the exhibit a little bit more interactive. Um, so trying to incorporate those uh, sort of call to action pieces as uh, interact, interactive opportunities as well. Um, and originally I did do an, like an evaluation portion to my project. And originally it was going to be an evaluation of the efficacy of those, um, of those components, sort of whether or not people were using them, um, if there were any behavioral changes after interacting with some of the things that were there, uh, which obviously didn't happen since it didn't open. Um, but it has definitely made me think a little bit more about sort of the, the larger implications for interactive components in museums uh, in the future. Um, thinking about I, a lot of the interactive things that, that I use were very uh, touch heavy. So things that you could pick up, flip over, draw, take something with you. And I think this is something that everybody uh, sort of in the field is thinking about now is, is how to be interactive without, mm. without touching something, which is. Right. How to engage without mm -hmm. having to touch. Yeah. Yeah. That's. And it's hard, and, especially for younger, yeah. uh, younger kids. One thing I wanted um, there, there's a chalkboard yeah. um, in there for drawing because kids love to share their ideas, draw things, show things, and are really often tactile in that way and sort of, especially how to engage folks that aren't gonna read the labels, might not be as engaged with the artwork, um, but be really drawn to something like that. If there are ways to um, interest them that aren't, you know, something that you have to sanitize and have someone there Repeatedly. all the time. Mm -hmm. Right, and of course the trends before 2020, was of course to engage with things people can touch, people that they can interact with tactilely, like with their hands and, you know, with their feet and um, things that they have to get up close to. So now we're like, don't, don't get close. Don't, don't, don't touch that. So yeah, that's, that's a real challenge. Um, and also, like you said, with children, they touch everything. They want to touch mm -hmm. everything. And this is a good thing. That's part of how they learn, but how do you adjust for, you know, please, please don't touch that. We have to wipe it down again. <laughs> so that's, that's a really good point that I hadn't really thought a whole lot about because we're an art museum and most art museums, we have that distance, right? It's like we put we put vitrines around things so people don't touch them and they don't knock them over and, and that kind of thing. Although I will say I have, I've drawn on the chalkboard at oh, the good. exhibition because adults like to draw on chalkboards yeah. too <laughs> and draw little trees and flowers and things. So that's really awesome. And, and I think you did a good job because um, it does encourage you to think 
not just about what you're seeing, but how you can have an impact on what you're seeing. And you provided some really great resources. And um, in the video that um, Lynn will be putting out, I'll be putting links and things to a lot of the resources that you had in the exhibition so that people can see it. So, you know, videos aren't as interactive as some people would like, but at the same time, they could provide a lot of information. So, yeah, do you have any other thoughts about, I mean, again, it's 2020, right? And your exhibition didn't open and that's, that's gotta hurt, right? But at the same time, I, I just want you to know that we are making a video, right? We're gonna make a video and we're gonna share with the community the things that you did because you worked really hard on it and you did a really good job on it. So yeah, just from the museum to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, job. I much I much prefer that that the the exhibit be closed than than lots of things be open and more people getting sick. Yeah, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody nobody wants that. But um, you did a really good job, and and we're gonna do our best to get the the exhibition out there so people can see it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So, well, well re restrictions restrictions aside, Leanna, yeah. in your future jobs, your future professional career, would you like to pursue more interactive exhibits? Is this something you feel like you can make a contribution to, or do you see yourself moving in another direction? Um, I do really like the, the interactive uh, aspect of, of museums in general, I think. Um, I, for my job, I work in uh, collections care and collections management, uh, which is also a very often a very heavily, you know, no touch um, sort of role. And, and you're sort of almost the gatekeeper between the public, the objects, and, you know, you're allowed to touch them and move them and care for them. But very often members of the public aren't, you know, they're presented with these things uh, on the wall or in vitrines. Um, and I've sort of become very attached to the idea of um, facilitating that maybe more tactile, more up close uh, interaction with with objects and and people. Um, so so yeah, I think uh, hopefully in the future, um, sort of uh, maybe in, in, in informal engagement in museums, um, informal education and public engagement in museums with um, a more focus on bringing collections, objects uh, closer to people um, so that they can have a more personal relationship with those types of objects would be something that I would lean towards. Great, thank you. I have a, a question. Um, I also have a background in collections management. Um, so installing the exhibition is very different than taking care of objects. How did you find the installation process and the planning that went into making sure that the loan got there, making sure that spacing was right? How did you find that experience to be? Uh, so I, I also work in uh, uh, art museum installation at the Tacoma Art Museum. Uh, or at least I used to before all of this. Um, so my experience uh, installing artwork actually came before um, my experience in collections management. 
I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I didn't actually, I didn't personally handle any of the loan information. Uh, that was all, I think, done between Rachel and someone at Mona. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm pretty lucky in that uh, sort of the care of collections and also packing and traveling with artwork and then installing, measuring, those things are all sort of in the forefront of my mind um, currently anyways, just because that's what I do for my job. Um, But I think it does lend itself pretty well to uh, sort of imagining how a visitor interacts with objects on, on different levels, on visiting an exhibition level, and then sort of a more personal connection with an object that I've seen working with uh, collections that are not on view, um, and, and trying to think about how to encourage uh, sort of a stronger relationship between people and art and objects um, than sometimes exhibits lend themselves to. And I'll just say that, I'll just say that it was really great that um, I knew I could totally trust Liana to go collect the to collect the prints from the place where they were installed previously because of the experience she she'd had and um, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic so I, I let her just run with it and, <laughs> and I knew I knew she was going to be completely capable and and uh, I had no worries about that at all which is really nice Thank you. Yeah, especially since everything started sort of when I was going to be taking the prints down from Bellevue, having um, much more uh, limited access uh, in terms of taking the prints down. Um, it was nice knowing that the, it was something that I did have experience in and could do on my own. Fantastic. Okay. Um, I guess we're, we're on to Rachel. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> Speaking of Surge, you were in Surge 2018. You had oh, yes. an exhibition with video. That was a learning experience for sure. Indeed. <laughs> Indelible memories, I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have I, I will never forget that. <laughs> it was a good time though. Um, so you're the the artist in this exhibition. That's your role. Um, but how did you find, um, like, how did you even come across the, like, the carbon cycle to begin with? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I had been um, following climate change as an issue uh, for a really long time. And for, I don't know, 20 years plus, longer than that, even. Um, and making art, I had a whole other work life that I was unrelated to either my art life or climate change. But Um, I was making art on the side and over the last five, probably six or six or seven years ago, I guess, I started really feeling like I wanted to zero in more on my understanding of what was going on with climate change at the level of really basic stuff that I realized that I didn't understand very well. Um, Like everybody's talking about carbon all the time, carbon dioxide, carbon emissions, uh, decarbonization, carbon footprint, carbon, carbon. It's like, what is that anyway? So I had to kind of go back and dust off my high school chemistry, which I didn't remember a whole lot of, <laughs> and just try to get in, get into what I sometimes think of as sort of the root phenomena of climate change, because it's really about these very specific atoms and molecules and how they interact. 
So I spent a bunch of time on middle school science websites, actually trying to kind of sort this out. And I got really interested in making pictures just for myself initially. I was just making drawings of what is, it, what is a carbon dioxide molecule? What would it look like? Or I mean, it's a diagram. It's not what it actually looks like, but it's invisible to us. So I was really aware that it's hard for us to grasp the climate change problem, partly because the carbon emissions that are kind of at the center of it, we can't see. So there's a lot of stuff that's a lot of stuff that's outside our perception ordinarily because either because it's too tiny mm. or it also can be because it's too big in scope and we can't yeah. see it because it's out of scale with us yeah. or it's yeah. way far away. It's up in, yeah. you know, it's in at the, the poles or it's at the equator. We can't, we're not aware of it. Right. Well, and humans are we, very yeah. tactile and very, if, I need to see it to understand it in a lot right. of ways. Exactly. We, as just animals, we're like, how does this really fit within my experience. That's right. And and I got really fascinated with all that. So so this this print series, uh, which I finished uh, right at the very beginning of 2018, I guess. And I've added a couple more since. Um, was me trying to kind of get my arms around, can I kind of figure out a way to string a, some kind of little progression together all the way from atoms kind of from the beginning of the universe, like it says in the first print, um, you know, constantly flowing through this process of photosynthesis, which has been going on for hundreds and mil of millions of years and longer. And, you know, how does that manifest kind of in the world that we're in right now? And what is, what did fossil fuels have to do with that? And where did they come from? And trying to kind of work out I mean, that series is 21 prints. Now I was trying to get from, you know, print one all the way to print 21, which is now we're at today and thinking about how to fix our climate problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I found it extremely challenging to do. I had a limited amount of space. The first place that this print series showed was actually in the library of the UW Botanic Garden in their Miller library space. And it was a yeah. limited space. So all of this was sort of engineered to try to fit into a limited amount of physical space. But also I didn't want to wear people out. So it was uh, really challenging to figure out what exactly do I want to cover with this imagery you know, like which pictures, pictures yeah. of, and in, and in what sequence and what do I want to say about it? So besides the, the really wonderful curation that Liana added that localizes the story to our region, which I didn't do. And I think it's a terrific addition to what I was able to manage. Um, the, the thread that I've got is, could be sort of global but there's a huge, as, as Dave well knows, I mean, there's a gigantic amount of science underneath all of that. And I, it was really hard to figure out what's the bare minimum that I can address here and do it in a way that's not going to be misleading because I'm leaving out like <laughs> almost everything that you could yeah. say about it. So it was challenging. I remember, I remember struggling, especially with the imagery and the text around the photosynthesis images how to get something across about that carbon being captured in a leaf without just making it totally wrong and confusing on the science. Yeah. So. Yeah. To, to condense, you know, libraries full of work and research into a single image is just amazing. And I think you did a great job. Well, thanks, Maggie. Well, I, I didn't, I, I don't claim at all to have read libraries of research on this. Well, I didn't, I mean, the thing that, like I said, the thing that really helped me out was all the middle school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was being careful to try to make sure I was referring to things that I was pretty sure I can trust this. Yeah. And um, I also did, and Dave has, Dave has been 
a wonderful support and resource for me on science on a bunch of this, but I also have another uh, scientist friend who actually backed me up a little bit on that print series. Um, so I was able to kind of ask him to tell me if I had got something just horribly wrong. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, that's really, this is just really cool. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm both a science and uh, an art nerd. So that really just rings my bells. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, what, I, I guess you did already address like your, your work process, taking, you know, taking in information and kind of, um, you know, distilling it down in, into an image and making the image speak to the, the information that you had. And um, I guess more technically, uh, so these are prints and what got you started in printmaking and, yeah. and well, that kind of thing? Right, they're digital prints. And I actually kind of backed into these in a way. I was doing animation and I've done more animation since then, as, as you know, because I have mm -hmm. an animation with Dave and I put an animation in the surge exhibit. Um, I had started out doing animation and in order to do the animation, I had to have all these little, I had all these little hand-drawn um, images on paper each one separate on its own layer so that you can make them move in animation. So I had these animations that were kind of rough and in progress. And in order to, when I got the opportunity to have the series at the Botanic Garden, I thought that I would actually just be able to do screen captures from some of the animation and that didn't work at all. So I ended up, I ended up having to reconstruct all these images almost from scratch. So the way, that, the, way the images are built is I'm drawing by hand on paper, just so it's not digital. I don't start out digitally. I'm starting out traditionally with a pen or pencil on watercolor paper and then adding some color um, and then scanning everything into Photoshop. And in any, in any one of those digital images, it's actually kind of a digital collage, usually of multiple separate drawings that I often did like on the corner of some piece of scrap paper and then ended up scanning it. And I didn't usually know beforehand exactly what my final image, I, I wouldn't usually know as I was drawing what my digital image was. Mm. I just knew, okay, I need to do something that has krill. So I'm gonna draw krill. And then in Photoshop, I would be able to, you know, duplicate many times, resize, change color, change light, dark, mm. do a whole bunch of things in Photoshop to then compose the image. So most of those prints have probably 10, 15, 20, 30 layers mm -hmm. of different objects all collaged together. And then um, to print, I worked with a, a, an artist in West Seattle who um, can print these out on archival paper using pigment inks on a big, large-scale printer. So it is a digital print, um, but, the, but the, the, the work begins by hand on it. Begins by hand. Yeah, I you know, I, I would look at the work and I honestly, you could not convince me that it wasn't done in watercolor and graphite or pen. And then I look at the labels like digital print. I'm like, what? That's just amazing to me. It's, it's really, it's really fascinating. I was interested in how you managed to get those drawings and to get something so I mean, just exactly, it looks like watercolor onto a digital print. And yeah. that's, yeah, wow. I didn't, know, I didn't know where that was going at all. I mean, 
I, I, this was totally a process of me, as I said, backing into doing it this way. And I was often really frustrated, <clears throat> frustrated at the amount of time that it was taking me to do this in Photoshop, yeah. huge amount of time on Photoshop. And also a pitfall with Photoshop is because it allows you to change almost anything an infinite number of times and save you know, I was having to just finally say to myself, you know what, you already have 14 versions of this. You have to stop. Because you have, right. you have to pick one. <laughs> it's a problem. Yes. It, it is easy to save um, a lot of things. I have a lot of photos. So you can kind of right. sympathize on that one. Um, what was the most challenging part? I mean, it sounds like it was challenging kind of um, taking it from hand drawn and hand painted. Uh, images into the larger image and you figured out a way to make it look the way you wanted to through the digital printing and Photoshop. But um, what other challenges did you experience? On the technical side, I think it was, it was just a little anxiety provoking all the way through because I hadn't done this before mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure what kind of, what my output was going to be like because I hadn't, I didn't, you know, when these actually hit the printer, and we're going to come out on paper. I was going to, was I going to find out that I had goofed up my resolution, for example. Mm -hmm. And I had to be really careful with that. Actually, there were some, some of those prints can only be printed kind of small because if you blow them up, they'll fall apart just yeah. on the resolution. So there were things like that that were real stressful. But, you know, overall, I think, as I said, it was trying to figure out how to, how to manage the content that I was trying to get across. Mm -hmm. And then technically, this was just like, how to make it work. Yeah, big and a big technical learning curve. So yeah, yes, I remember the the Surge 2018 exhibition trying to figure out how to make that video work. <laughs> like, but we got there in the end, yeah. and it and it looks like you you got there in the end on this one too, and you you really knocked it out of the park. You did a great job. Thanks. Okay. So All right. So Dave, hi Dave. I think I've met you before once or twice, but um, so. In this exhibition, it sounds like you met Leanna and kind of got her in contact with Rachel. And so what, what was your role in all of this? So what did you do? Well, I guess in a way I was a facilitator, uh, partly helped with quality control for the science. But I think the big advantage that we had here was that Rachel and I already had a working relationship based on the surge exhibit at Museum of Northwest Arts. So we had already spent quite a bit of time talking, working together, and of course, ended up with a rather spectacular uh, exhibit that Rachel provided at, at, at surge. So that was really a good foundation for us. We weren't starting from scratch with that uh, kind of science art collaboration. And so then Leanna was able to benefit from that and we just kind of took it from there. And I put her in touch with Rachel and, and I think everything just kind of connected. But I do think that that previous work that we had done really had a big part to play in the success of the overall project. And uh, also the fact that Leanna was so open to feedback on all aspects of her project. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah I would just quickly second, second that. I, it, Leanna was, was wonderful to work with, very responsive um, and, focused and uh, easy to work with. I, I felt, I felt uh, comfortable having my work in her hands. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, so I guess Dave, 
Uh, one of the other questions that I had here was how did your work inform um, the artistic process and kind of the outcome? Um, and maybe not in this specific exhibition because it sounds like Rachel did a lot of the, the research on her own and you sort of, um, you know, just checked to make sure that it was accurate. But I know you guys worked in Surge, as you said. Um, how did your work inform the artistic process and outcome there, do you think? Well, I, I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges we had here throughout the process from Surge to Leanna's project was distilling fairly big, complex issues of climate change into a few aspects that we thought were priorities for communicating. And we thought that you could communicate them. So as Rachel had mentioned earlier, she was looking at this from the atom level up to the ecosystem level. So that's not something that's particularly easy to do. And if I were to try to write that up, it would take a lot of pages to do that effectively. But there is something about visual images that can do that. And it's a way that people learn more easily in many cases through visual, visual imagery as opposed to reading pages of scientific uh, narrative. So I think that, that really helped to, I wouldn't say it simplified the complexity, but it helped to communicate the complexity in a way that people could grasp that. And I think it also was a way that people could remember things better than they could remember the written word. So I think that, that really, uh, that previous experience we had when working with Rachel helped me when we started working with Liana because she could benefit from what we had learned from those previous experiences. And I think she did a great job of, of distilling that and communicating it in a way that in some cases even children could understand it. So I, I think I probably contributed to the scientific accuracy of information, but also to uh, prioritize, prioritizing messages and communication types for this kind of exhibit. Fantastic. And, and the only other question I had was um, what was the most challenging part? But um, it sounds like getting all of that research and getting all of that information into a form that can accurate, kind of accurately convey it was the hardest part. <laughs> that, that <laughs> is, right? yeah, that's, that's certainly a challenging part. I think in this case too, our other challenge was which portion of this large body of information do we want to retain for this exhibit? And it, it's always good to start with a lot of good ideas and uh, uh, to have some, you know, a whole bunch of things in mind that you think might work, but then it's, it's pretty difficult to, to comb through that and say, well, this is the 20% I want to retain. Yeah. So hard decisions have to be made. And I think that we collectively uh, did that decision-making process quite effectively. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And, and I just want to uh, add that I really appreciated, you know, working with Dave and, and with Liana and Liana's notion of, you know, as I understood Liana's kind of commitment from the outset of this, she was really interested in kind of the community, kind of the community connection piece of this, which 
as was mentioned before, the surge exhibit certainly drew in a lot of people from the community. I think there was a lot of interest, but the exhibit wasn't focused on what folks could do. So I really appreciated Liana's intention to try to add, to bring that to this exhibit. And the information that she brought um, to sort of connect what was in the prints to what actually happens in the environment in Washington state, as I mentioned before, which I didn't, which I didn't do. I think that was really useful. Um, and Dave was certainly really helpful with that as well to just sort of, to, to bring this, to kind of ground it, to, to ground it in this region, you know, more than, more than it was. And then to, you know, and then to add, um, what can folks do? And I felt in my own presentation of it, this series earlier in, in other, you know, in, in another place, um, that was something I had, I hadn't quite, I hadn't figured out, is there some way that I can do that? And it was like, no, I don't think I can. But in this exhibit, that, that dimension has been added to it. So that's really mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, that, that is one thing about Surge is that it, it presents the information, but it doesn't, really say here's what we're going to do here's what you can do and climate change is real and it doesn't say that it just this is the research you know here's what it is and I, I liked that Leanna was able to um, add those resources as well to as, her as, as, as the three of us I think the three of us discussed this a lot how to do that in a way that just sort of sticks to the science and sticks to the facts mm -hmm. and yeah. doesn't become, that keeps away from the political controversy. Right. It's not that easy it's, to do that. We spent yeah. a fair amount of time talking about that. And um, how, can you, how can you connect people's thoughts about the art and the science to their lives? Like, what can, like yes, this is great, but now how does that, relate to my life. And I think that um, Leanna was able to make that connection and um, in her exhibition. So I really look forward to, to bringing the video and this podcast uh, to our community and the wider community because it's going on YouTube. YouTube goes around the world. So, you know, here's, you know, yes, this is what the Pacific Northwest can do, but here's a you know a great exhibition and what can you do in your neck of the woods so i'm i'm really excited about that do you guys have any questions for each other or is there any any other topic you wanted to talk about uh related to the exhibition i'd be interested in your perspectives on the value and success of this exhibit given that you know it was originally planned as an you know, installation now ends up being virtual. Um, was it successful? How would you do it differently next time? Those sorts of things. Um, from a museum perspective, I think yeah. it would have been effective. Like, I think that people would have found it, I mean, not just aesthetically pleasing, it's, it's beautiful work, but also come away with a thought of, oh, that's how that works. I didn't know that's how that went. And um, because Liana was also very, um, she, she included, like, like we said, ways to, you know, implement 
um, changes in your small changes in your own life to help um, with climate change. Um, I think it was a great exhibition. I'm not sure given her size, like the size of the gallery that she had, that there's really much more that she could have done that would have improved it. I think she did a really good job getting her message across, um, allowing for people to become engaged, not just by looking at it and reading it, but also again with the the chalkboard and with the um, the flyers and pamphlets and things at the end and things to turn over. Like she really did get people engaged. And that's as a museum exhibition, that's what you want. You want people to remember it. You want them to engage in it on not just uh, a visual level, but on an emotional level. And I think, I think she managed to do that. And I think Rachel's work managed to do that. Great, thank you. Fantastic. Well, I will let you guys go. Thank you so much for, for being first a part of the exhibition, but also, you know, such great, you know, friends to Mona and um, for showing up today. I really appreciate it, you guys. Oh, well, thanks, thanks Maggie. For facilitating. Yeah, you, you, for, for, you, first time, you did a great job. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank okay. you. I got practice. You guys have a great day and take care. You too. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.